Dude, I know you can get those type of videos on your phone. Totally. I don't know what I did before this. It's better hope your wife never finds out. It's not a big deal. Besides, she's been kind of not fun lately. Look, she's not going to find out. It doesn't matter as long as it doesn't hurt anyone. Are you serious? God never said that. Is this hurting you? <laughs> It'd be kind of fun to have one of those, right? When you hear something that, that God didn't really say, people said, I think it's in the Bible. Well, it's not. We're in part three of this series, God Never Said That. Week number one, we looked at a cultural belief that says, and a lot of churches teach this, that God just wants you to be happy. Above all else, God wants you to be happy. Well, God never said that. God said he wants you to be holy. Your happiness is a byproduct of some things that happen to you. Your holiness is what God does in and through you regardless of the circumstances. Week two, we looked at, at the, the wrong belief many people hold, and that's that God will never give you more than you can handle. That God never said that. God will always give you more than you can handle because he wants to be glorified and he wants you to learn to depend on him. So God never said he wouldn't give you more than you can handle. Next week is the lie that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Um, for those of you that know somebody that, that may be struggling with what they believe, their, their uh, worldview, that would be a great time for you to bring them. Now today we're going to look at a very dangerous lie that has some z- very serious consequences. And since it's going to be a little bit heavy, I thought we would do something kind of fun to start off. You know, we've got to lighten the mood just a little bit because it's going to go deep today. So what I want you to do is I want you to look at the person on your right. All right, just get who they are. Look at the person on your left. Just for fun, peek behind you and see who's sitting behind you. All right, now, of course, you should know who's sitting in front of you. All right, now, on the count of three, here's what I want you to do. Of those people you just looked at, I want you to point at the one who is the biggest sinner. Don't think about it, just do it. One, two, three. Come on, this is audience participation. We're going to do it again. Some of you didn't do it. Now, Josh did it. Josh pointed next to him at, at, at Jacob. So, here, ready? You get a second chance. Point at the biggest sinner. One, two, three, point. Some of you didn't do it. Some of you aren't playing. Now, did anybody point at yourself? All right, you're truthful sinners. All right, woo we're making progress in new life. Paul, who wrote half the New Testament, he said he is the, the chief of all sinners. Now, isn't it kind of weird to point at somebody and say, you're the biggest sinner? It's kind of strange to do that, to judge someone and say, you're the biggest sinner. Because the Bible calls, it says something about an unpardonable sin. Now, the un, only unpardonable sin is dying without accepting Jesus as your forgiver and your, and, and your savior, your leader. Um, but... I would argue that in America today, there is an unpardonable sin. Do you want to know what it is? It's to call someone else a sinner, right? It's totally unacceptable that that to say what anybody else does is a sin or that it's wrong. What you hear all the time, though, is it doesn't matter what I do as long as I'm not hurting anyone. doesn't matter what you do. It's none of my business. doesn't matter what I do. It's none of your business as long as I don't hurt anyone. Well, God never said that. And so if God never said that, where does this idea come from? Well, 2,000 years ago, Paul was writing to a young pastor named Timothy, and he gave us a clue where this idea comes from. It's in 2 Timothy 4, verse 3. He says this, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. Now, this was written 2,000 years ago. This could have been written yesterday. 
Because people want someone to tell them that what they want to do is right. And God says that our actions matter. So much to say about our behavior. If you think back to the time that Jesus lived, I want you to think about what might have been the number one cultural value back then. And and I'm going to argue that the number one cultural value back then might have been justice. Because they taught an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. They taught if you did something wrong, you deserve to be punished based on what you did wrong. Now, if I were to ask what the greatest cultural value in our America today is, I believe it's the word tolerance. We need to tolerate anything and everything except Christians. Now, tolerance used to mean this. I I agree with the old definition. Tolerance used to mean all people have equal value. I got no problem with that. God created everyone equal. Equal. I believe that. I don't care what your skin color is. I don't care what your education level is. I don't care what your occupation is. God created all of us. We were made in the image of our creator. Skin color is irrelevant to God. But I disagree with what, what it has become. The idea of tolerance today is that all ideas and all behaviors have equal value. I totally disagree with that. See, in our culture, it's considered unacceptable to call anything wrong except Christians because they're judgmental. And God forbid that you should call something sinful. Oh my goodness, you, you, you're going to be hung for that. We've watered down, we've sanitized the Bible, and, and we've given our actions new terms to make them sound more acceptable. Let me, let me give you some examples. Instead of saying that people look at pornography, it's called adult entertainment. Because that sounds so much more palatable. Instead of calling something homosexuality, we say, well, that's an alternate lifestyle. Because that sounds better. We don't call it adultery. We say someone's having an affair. Because that's not nearly as bad. We don't call it premarital sex or what the Bible calls it, fornication. Because that sounds really bad. We call it fooling around. And, And after all, doesn't everyone fool around? So it's okay because everyone's doing it. We've taken what was one sin, what the Bible calls sin, and we've dumbed it down, we've watered it down to make it sound more acceptable. So what I do, none of your business. What you do is none of my business according to this worldview. And non-Christians, they'll even quote the Bible. Uh, Some of you were alive back at the time of of Bill Clinton. I heard this over and over on on the the airwaves, on on TV. Judge not lest you be judged. The next time a non-Christian uses that to kind of slap you in the face, just say, tell me where that's found in the Bible. Because I can tell you, Matthew 7, 1, Luke 6, 37, that's where it's found. Do you know the context? Because Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged. Then he says, how can you with a log in your eye try to take the speck out of your brother's eye? But then he says this. He says, first, take the log out of your own eye. Then you'll be able to to take the speck out of your brother. Christians are supposed to judge Christians. Paul even says, we're supposed to judge those inside the church. He said, let God judge those outside the church. And he said, be very sure God will judge those outside the church. He said, but Christians are supposed to judge Christians. It's just, we're supposed to have our lives in order before we do that, before we judge someone else. Sin is very, very real. So I want you to to turn to somebody. I want you to say, please pay attention. You need to hear this. And then I want you to say this. Please don't distract me. Because I need to hear this. There are three wrong and dangerous beliefs about sin that I want to look at. 
Three very wrong, very dangerous beliefs about sin that I want to look at. First one, I'm not a bad person. I'm not a bad person. You're not a bad person. No one's really a bad person. People make mistakes, but that doesn't make them bad. Okay, that's what culture says. Let's see what God's word says. First John 1 John 1.8, if we claim to be without, what's that word? <clears throat> sin. Isn't that such a bad word? If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Scripture just says, if you, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. And you will stand before God. And, and, and when you stand before God, it'll be very apparent that you're a sinner. Now, if, if we compare ourselves with others, maybe we're tempted to say, I'm not so bad. You may be even sitting on the row with somebody that <laughs> I'm better than them. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because the comparison is not the person sitting next to you. Isn't that interesting that when we, when we look for somebody to compare ourselves to, we always find somebody who's horrible? Well, I'm no terrorist. The scripture says that our comparison is, is a perfect, holy God. Never thought of a bad thought, never said a bad word, never did a bad thing. Perfection is what we're compared to. And when you're compared to perfection, you realize that we're all horrible, filthy sinners. Let me, let me just illustrate this to make you feel better about yourself. How many of you have ever told a lie? All right, if you're not raising your hand, you're lying. I mean, even when you're a kid. Kids, wait, 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 we're not done. How many of you told a lie? So, all right, now just look at somebody and go, liar, liar, pants on fire. You can stick your tongue out if you want to. That makes it more fun, right? It makes it mature. You should see what we did at our church today. Uh, how many of you have ever stolen something? I have. I, I got to raise my hand. I stole a lot of things back in the day. How many of you have ever looked at someone lustfully? Dude, a lot of you were like, I don't remember. Maybe when I was 14, surely, when I was going through puberty, yeah. Now, if you've told liar. If you have stolen something, you're what? Now, if you've looked lustfully at something, most of you know what scripture says. Jesus says, if you look lustfully at a woman, you've, you've done what? Committed adultery. So if you, you put it all together, you're a lying, thieving adulterer. Woo-hoo! Don't you feel good about yourself? That's our goal at New Life, to make you feel good. We are not good people. We're sinful at our core. And so kind of just to get this out there that we're all in the same boat, myself included, I want you to say this. I'm not a good person. Say that. Say it again. I am not a good person. Get that out of your mind. Because look what scripture says in Romans 3.10. There is no one righteous. Righteous means pure and holy before, before God. There is no one righteous. Not even one. You're not righteous. I'm not righteous. I sin. I'm most vulnerable to sin in a car. Make me five minutes late somewhere, and I'm just not a nice guy. I don't, I don't say things, but I think evil thoughts about you if you're in front of me. To say you aren't a bad person, to say I'm not a bad person, contradicts what God says about us. So the very first cultural lie that we're dealing with today is, I'm not a bad person. Yes, you are. The second wrong and dangerous belief about sin is all sin is the same. Wrong, dangerous. People say this, and I've heard it. All sin is the same. 
Who are you to judge me? What I'm doing is no worse than what you're doing. All sin is the same. God never said that. The Bible doesn't teach that all sin is the same. Now, pay attention because some of you are real uncomfortable with that statement. All unforgiven sin leads to death. All right, now there's three types of death. There is physical death. That's where your spirit is separated from your body. There's spiritual death, which means to be separated from God in this lifetime. And then there's eternal death, which means to be separated from God forever in the next life. All right, spiritual death, spirits, uh, physical death, spirits separated from the body. Spiritual death is to be separated from God in this lifetime. Eternal death is to be separated from God in the next lifetime forever. All right. So all unforgiven sin leads to separation from God in this lifetime. If you never ask God to forgive your sins, then you will spend eternity separated from God, eternal death. Because look, this is real clear in scripture. Romans 6.23 says this, for the wages of sin is what? Death. Any type of sin, little sin, big sin, whatever kind of sin, any type of unforgiven sin leads to death. But the Bible doesn't stop there. Here's the good news. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So yes, all sin separates us from God. Even the smallest sin separates us from God, but not all sin is the same. The other day I pulled out here and and I had my trailer behind my truck, been mowing, and I pulled out in front of someone. And I don't ever intentionally pull out in front of someone. I I really do respect people and I I don't want to pull out in front of somebody and cut them off because I don't want to be cut off. But I pulled out and a guy had to swerve around me. I misjudged his speed. He had to swerve around me. So what I did was I gave the universal sign for my bad. I do that all the time. And I will say it out loud. My kids have heard me say this, my bad. So I pulled out in front of him. I hold up my hand, the universal sign for my my bad, you know, head down, my, my bad, my bad. Unfortunately, he gave me the universal sign for you're bad. And it kind of ticked me off. I was less than amused. So my foot hit the accelerator. And uh, what made it worse was when I pulled up behind him, I noticed on his bumper, he had an NLCCP.com magnet. One of you flipped me off. Being the loving pastor that I am, I cannot let you live in sin, so I pursued you at a rather aggressive speed. We came up to the stoplight. I pulled up next to him. I rolled down my window. He rolled down his window. I looked at him. He looked at me, and he got white as a sheet. That's not a true story. Now, you can imagine it, though, because in this group... Some of you have wanted to flip me off. And this, here's the point I'm trying to make. Wanting to flip me off or anybody, wanting to flip somebody off, you know what that means. That is a sin. The idea of wanting to flip someone off is a sin. Actually shooting the bird is a bigger sin, right? If it's in your mind, it's between you and God, you got to confess that. That's a sin that can separate you from God. To shoot the bird, that's worse because now it's become public, but to actually pull out a gun and shoot somebody, that's a different sin and has deeper consequences. You understand where I'm going with this? All sin is not the same. All consequences of sin are not the same. All of those sins will keep you out of heaven if you're, if you're unforgiven, but not all of them have the same consequences. It's not the same. Our actions influence at least three things. This is on your listening guide, or if you're following along on, on you version. First of all, our actions influence consequences on earth. 
If you're a blessing to other people, other people are more likely to be a blessing to you. If you sin against other people, other people are more likely to sin against you. There are consequences to sin, but not all consequences, not all sin have the same consequences. And by the way, karma is not biblical. You want to tick me off, put on your, put on your Facebook. And now that I'm telling you this, I will say, remember Father's Day. The universe is not out to get you. The universe is impersonal. The reason something bad happened to you is probably because you sinned against somebody else and somebody else saw that and they sinned against you, idiot. Karma, oh my gosh. You find it in scripture and I'll, I'll stand up here and say, karma's in scripture. I was wrong. It's not there. I've read the scripture. I've read it cover to cover. Seven times, it's not in there. Your actions very often come back to you. You're kind to somebody. Watch this. When you go to, when you go to Walmart, <laughs> I talk about Walmart because I sit in there a lot too. Usually just in my mind, right? There's a different consequence. But one time, and I don't know, I guess it was the spirit of God just came over me because this lady was, she was checking and it was bad. And, and I got up and, and she was very nervous. And I don't know if it was her first day. I don't know what it was, but, but she was just having a hard time and I smiled at her. And I said, take your time. It's not a big deal. And she just breathed and she goes, thank you. And I realized nobody else in line had done that. Now, it's not my usual response. Man of God that I am. See, actions matter. If, you, if you're a youth pastor and you commit the sin of gluttony, which means you eat too much, you can probably still be a youth pastor. If you smoke dope with a teenager, you can't be a youth pastor anymore unless you live in Colorado, and then, then it's okay, right? Because those people are messed up. Dude, I don't like any kind of smoke. I, if you smoke, it's, you know, I'm not condemning you. I just don't like it. We are in New York this last week for Rachel's graduation uh, gift, and... Dude, it's just people smoke, and I just don't like it. I have allergies, and it messes me up. But mar- oh well, I'll get off of that. I won't. I won't go there. I've just seen how people act on marijuana. I actually saw it in high school one time. We were skiing. A bunch of teenagers went skiing, which is dumb. Don't don't let your teenagers go skiing unsupervised. Just don't do it. Teenagers going shut up. No, I've been there. We did stupid stuff. I skied. Some guys stayed in our condo and smoked dope all day. When I came in, this was before Beavis and Butthead, but I very understand Beavis and Butthead now because they would take a toke and they would lean across the table and they'd blow it in the other guy's face. And they go, <laughs> I walked in. I said, y'all been doing this all day? And they're like, yeah. And they said, you want some? I said, no, you're an idiot. I don't want to be like, anyway, okay. So your actions in this life have consequences. It, it influence the consequences of the earth. Second, your actions influence rewards in heaven. The Bible's very, very clear on this. You will either get or lose rewards if you're a Christ follower based on what you do or don't do in this earth, based on what you say or don't say in this earth. Because there's a sin of omission. When God tells you to do something, you don't do it. When God tells you to speak to somebody, and you don't speak. That's a sin of omission, and it's just as bad. In God's eyes. Now, the consequences, consequences actually, if, if God tells you to tell someone about Christ and you don't do it, the consequences are they could probably go to hell. The good thing is God is bigger than you, and if you are disobedient, God will send somebody else to be obedient and tell them about Christ. I want to be used by Christ. Your actions also influence punishment in hell. If you're not a Christ follower, 
there are actually levels of punishment in hell. The deepest, darkest is reserved for Satan and, and his angels. And by the way, a loving God did not create hell for lost people. A loving God created hell for Satan and his demons, the, the angels that fell with him, that chose to go with him. A loving God doesn't send anybody there. People choose to go there. You say, who would choose to go to hell? It's everybody who rejects Jesus Christ because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. There's no, no one comes to the Father except through me. We're very narrow in our understanding of what it takes to get to heaven because Jesus Christ, the only one who was perfect, who died for sins, was raised again. He said there's one way. And so people who reject him in this life, God honors their decision not only in this lifetime but in the next. Now, let me give you an example of of what I'm talking about here. Jesus was talking about the Pharisees, and he rarely had anything good to say about the Pharisees because they loved religion more than people. Here's what he said in Luke 20, 47. But they cheat, talking about the Pharisees, but they cheat widows and steal their houses and then try to make themselves look good by saying long prayers. They will receive a what? They will receive a what? Wait, it's right there. They will receive a what? Yeah, it's at the bottom. See right above Luke twenty forty seven. Thank you. Thank you. Timmy. Timmy's my buddy. Timmy's helping me out. They were taking advantage of people whom the, the Bible Christians say we're supposed to love and help. The Pharisees were always putting religion. They were always putting themselves in front of other people. And evidently God hates this kind of hypocrisy because he says those type of people who do such things will receive a what? greater punishment. Doesn't that, doesn't that at least imply that some actions receive less punishment than this? I mean, that's what it seems to say to me. Do you remember when, when Jesus was standing before Pontius Pilate, before he was going to be crucified? And, and Pilate says to him, he says, you dare not to answer my questions? And he, he says, do you not understand that I have the power to release you or to crucify you? He says this to Jesus. Look what Jesus says back to him. John nineteen eleven, You would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the what? Greater sin. There are greater sins. There are lesser sins. Do you know one of the greater sins is sexual sin? Let me show you. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against even your own body. Run from sexual sin. Why? Because no other sin so clearly destroys both your body and your soul. There's a different consequence to this sin than other sins. Immorality is a sin against your own body. And then the next verse, I didn't put it on here, but he's begging. He says, do you not know that you have been bought with a price? Your body does not belong to you. And it says, so glorify God in your body. Why? Because he bled and died to pay the punishment for your sins. So if he is your Lord, you don't get to say no. Lord means boss. When he tells you to do something, you do it. Don't try to fight. It says run from sexual... Run, Forrest, run from sexual sin. You are not bad enough. You're not strong enough. Satan will tell you you can handle it because he wants to destroy you. I don't ever want to be somewhere with someone of the opposite sex who's not Janie Washburn or one of my girls without someone else there with me. 
if you if you come in, Teresa's done this before. Teresa came up. She usually sits out in the in the parking lot if, if my car is the only car here. And and some of you have met me at the door, and I've said, I'm sorry, our policy is you cannot come in here. I can't be in this building with someone of the opposite sex. That's just our, our policy to protect me, to protect you. And and I don't think I'm all that. I just am scared of sexual sin. You're not strong enough to handle it. You're not strong enough to watch some of the movies that you watch. Don't you believe for a second that watching those images doesn't impact your husband? So if there's a movie you want to watch, and it, it ha- don't do it. Don't do it. Actions matter in this life and in the next. Misperception number one, I'm not a bad person. Yes, you are. Misperception number two, all sin is the same. No, it's not. Certain sins on earth will have greater consequences on earth and in the next life. The third huge cultural lie. Since I've already done it, I might as well keep on doing it. I'm not a virgin anymore, so I might as well keep on doing it. Ever since... I've been in ministry 31 years, and I was a youth minister for 19, actually 32 years. I'm getting old. Um, I used to tell people about there's something called spiritual virginity. Even though you've given up your physical virginity, you can have spiritual virginity. I believe that, that the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin, but you have to confess that to him to be forgiven. If you want to be made whole, if you want to get well from past sins, you need to confess to a Christian that you, you believe in. James is very clear. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another so that you may be healed. Forgiveness of sins, you confess to God. Healing from sins, you confess to another believer. Not, not in front of all believers. You find somebody that you can trust and watch what happens. And we're going to talk more about that in just a second. I'm, I'm not a virgin anymore, so I might as well keep on doing it. I've done drugs, so I might as well keep on doing it. I cheated and didn't get caught, and it helped me do this, so I might as well do it again. I already looked at something, so I might as well do it again. Those are all lies from the pit of hell. You don't have to do it again. Evidently, a couple of thousand years ago, these problems were, were just as real as they are today because Paul asked a question. Here it is in Romans 6, 1. He says, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Now, here's the thought. If you read in, in chapter 5, you read towards the end of chapter 5, people were saying, God loves to pour out grace on sinners. And that's true. But the, the messed up human mind, they're saying, since God loves to pour out grace on sinners, every time we sin, we give an, an opportunity to pour more grace on us. Shouldn't we sin more so that God can pour more grace on us? Idiots. Because look what Paul says. This is the closest Paul ever comes to cussing in Scripture. Verse 2, of course not. Now that's not very good. There is an exclamation point in the New Living Translation. The actual translation is, God forbid. Should we keep on sinning so that God can pour out his grace? God forbid we would ever do that. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also live new lives. How can we continue to do those things that hurt the heart of God, destroy our heart for God, and hurt people around us? How if we are saved? You know, the number one criticism I've heard about new life through the years is that we're not deep enough. I've had people say, it's great that you want to reach lost people. That's awesome. But you you need to go deeper. (laughs) 
Can I tell you that spiritual maturity is not knowledge? I know a lot of people that know a lot more about Scripture than I do. And they're some of the most arrogant people I've ever met. They don't love folks. They use scriptural knowledge to beat people up, to judge them. I call them Pharisees. I'll call it to their face. Spiritual maturity is about applying what you know. Most Christians know far more than they do. Look what Jesus said about doing something, about obedience. John 14, 15, if you love me, obey my commands. Which commands is he talking about? All of them. Until you're obeying all of them, be real careful about saying, I need more knowledge. I don't have any problem with knowledge, but if it doesn't show itself in your actions, your knowledge is worthless. And actually, the Bible says that knowledge puffs up. You know what that means? Knowledge makes people arrogant if there's not application of that knowledge. Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? God forbid. Since we died to sin, how can we live it any longer? The most miserable people in the world are not non-Christians. I got news for you. The most miserable people in the world are Christians who continue to live in sin. Closer I get to Jesus, the more I realize how sinful I am. The closer you get to Jesus, the more you come into the light of who Jesus Christ is, the more you realize that you are a filthy sinner. There's darkness in your life. And that's because unconfessed sin grows. Sin that you keep secret grows. The reason we're sick and and, uh, spiritually and sometimes emotionally and sometimes mentally is because we have secret sins that we've never told anybody. But the Bible says when you confess, when you bring it into the light, it says that Jesus Christ sets you free. And some of you need to be set free today. Sin will take you farther than you want to go and will cost you more than you want to pay. And some of you are going to say, some of you in your mind right now, you're saying it's not that big a deal. What I'm doing is not that big a deal. Well, according to God's word, it is a very big deal. Some of you used to be close to God, and now you're not. You want to know why? It's because you've allowed a whole bunch of small sins to go unconfessed. And when you do that, your heart becomes hard towards God, and you move further and further away. And the time for confessing gets greater and greater. When you do that, you're distant. You cannot hear God. And even when Christians, by the way, Christians are supposed to judge Christians, even when a loving Christian comes to you and says, what you're doing is wrong, you defend yourself. It's not so bad. It's because you're far from God. But when the time between sinning and confessing gets shorter and shorter and shorter... You're becoming sanctified. The Bible calls it sanctified. That means God is making you look more and more like Jesus Christ. And it's not something you're trying to do. It's just you're trying to get close to God. And the Spirit of God makes you reflect the glory of God to a a lost and dying world. You're being transformed into the image of Christ. Let me finish with this. We, We looked at this verse last week. This is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. doesn't matter what you're trapped in. Jesus Christ is your way out. He said, I am the way out. I am the truth that sets you free. I am the life that endures forever. Some of you need to come to God today. I want you to bow your heads for just a moment.
God, I thank you that your love is not based on our actions, our performance, but your love is based on your goodness. You love us no matter what. You love us so much that you don't want us to be trapped in things that hurt us and hurt those around us. God, we thank you that you're faithful even when we're faithless. God, I ask in the name of Jesus that the power of sin would be broken. That we will not continue it because he who the Son sets free is free indeed. God, we thank you that because of the death, resurrection of your Son, Jesus, we are set free. Now, with your heads bowed, some believers in here have been convicted that you are trapped in sin. You keep doing it over and over. You want to be set free. The Holy Spirit is piercing your heart right now. There's something going on in your life that you need to be free from. Would you raise your hands? Okay, put them down. I want to pray over you, but I want to ask you to find a Christian that you can trust and tell them about that sin you're trapped in. Father, release us by the power of your resurrection. Release these people from their sin and give them the courage to talk to someone about it. Now, head still. Some of you, you don't, until you see yourself as a sinner, you don't realize you're a savior. And some of you, God brought you here today because you are a lost person who needs to be saved. For the first time, you recognize that you need to be forgiven. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. Jesus became sin for us on the cross. He died on the third day. He rose again so that anyone who calls on his name would be saved. Here today because God wants to save you. If, if you don't know for sure that you would go to heaven if you died tonight, would you just look up at me? Several of you. Here's what scripture says. First John chapter 5 says, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And then he says, I've written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So if you're one of those that looked at me, I want you to say this. I want you to say, God, I know I'm a sinner. Just pray that in your mind. I know I need a Savior. Would you forgive my sins? And would you lead my life? Amen.